Welcome to the B-Ball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about the value and versatility of elite power forwards. Now, I'm going to give you a little history of my NBA watching experience because it's important to kind of how I see the current day NBA. So I started watching basketball seriously in 2008, I think, when Pau Gasol got traded to the Lakers. All of a sudden, I was watching pretty much every single game. Like, sure, Shaq and Kobe were on in my house when I was a little kid, but um, I wasn't very old and I wasn't really paying attention. But those next few years really shaped how I saw the NBA. And that was the Lakers playing um, the big three Celtics in 08, losing to them. Then the Lakers beating the Magic uh, with Dwight Howard in 09. And then uh, the Lakers losing in the playoffs to the Mavericks in 2010. So that was how I shaped seeing the league. And the Lakers were really spoiled at that time. Obviously, they had Kobe. They had Lamar Odom. They traded for Pau Gasol. They had Andrew Bynum. And it was a very different team even than like other teams in that time because the the thing that made them so unique was having Andrew Bynum and Pau Gasol. I know Bynum missed a lot of time during those years, but when he was there, uh, it was pretty crazy. And then uh, you had Lamar Odom also backing them up. So you had like this like overwhelming uh, big man front line with depth and some versatility. Uh, Bynum was kind of your classic big man. Pau Gasol had, had every skill you'd want a big man to have from passing, scoring. Uh, he, could, he could really do anything offensively. And then Lamar Odom, uh, obviously. And that kind of shaped how I saw the league. And then the uh, LeBron Heat teams, and, and that's when the, the league starts to change, go away from not having two big men, not a traditional power forward on the court all the time. But they were still playing teams like the Mavericks, where they had Tyson Chandler and Dirk. They were still playing teams like the Pacers every year, where the Pacers were like a very traditional slow-down half-court defensive team with Roy Hibbert at center. And the NBA, like that's what I was used to. And then I took a break. Uh, I worked in analytics and football and in baseball for a few years. I kind of missed the entire Warriors dynasty, really. (laughs) Everything I know from that time period is like hearsay, where it's like a game of telephone. I heard it from someone, from someone else, from somebody else. But I got the gist of Golden State was really good, and they made a lot of three-pointers. And all of a sudden, they were playing uh, bigger players off the court. So I was like, okay. So then I come back to the NBA. The Lakers trade for Anthony Davis. And again, I'm watching every single game again. And I'm like, okay, well, they have Anthony Davis. And then they also have, uh, at that time, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. And they were kind of a two-headed monster at center. And they have Anthony Davis at power forward. And it was this really interesting thing because they had so much rim protection on the court all the time. And it wasn't really an issue because Anthony Davis was so mobile at the power forward position at the four that he could literally guard anyone. Like there were times in the finals where he was just guarding Jimmy Butler straight up. And it was like, yeah, no, this is the best. This is probably the best person for this job in the world. And then <laughs> there would be times where Anthony Davis would just switch to whoever had the ball for like possession after possession. It was like he he pretty much when healthy and locked in is I don't know, I've never seen a defender like this. It's this long, it's this mobile that can laterally move where he just absolutely shuts players down. And so the through line I'm going to draw here is the Lakers win in 2020, the Bucks win in 2021, and they have Giannis who is just, I mean, his nickname is the Greek Freak. <laughs> like they're, they're, It's hard to put into like a, a short you know, synopsis of what he can do, but he brings so much offensively. 
He brings so much defensively. And again, they were playing two big men. They had Brooke Lopez, who's a really good player, who unfortunately has missed a ton of time this year. But they had two big men. And then Giannis had the versatility where he, wherever he was rotating, wherever he was flying around, it was never like, oh, uh-oh, Giannis is on an island because he's just such an insane defender and extremely good athlete and utilizes his skills uh, it just extremely well. Where it was like, okay, whenever Giannis is guarding the ball, that's a great situation for the Bucks. So they won the championship in 2021. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, that's weird because I got really back into NBA in the last few years. And everyone told me three-point shooting is king. Um, you got to get your bigs off the court. Uh, I remember seeing the Rockets in the playoffs just with Russell Westbrook. Just They were like, we're just not even going to have a center. And that's what everyone was saying because that's how Golden State won. They had Draymond Green and they had a million three-point shooters. And... That was the narrative. And for, you know, obviously they won all those championships. They were in the news every day. They were on, you know, the front page of ESPN and, uh, you know, every show was leading with them. And it was like, you just have to shoot to win. And then all of a sudden, these teams that aren't built that way are winning. And then I look at teams this year with uh, Memphis, who is the third seed. Uh, they have Jaron Jackson Jr., who's just playing at an extremely high level defensively. We have the Cavs. They're three games out of the number one seed in the East. And they have uh, a rookie, Evan Mobley, who is playing it just an un. It's crazy. Like, he's one of those people where I, I saw him play a handful of times. And it was like, this guy is a rookie, one. That's crazy. But if you see his build, you're like, this guy is skinny enough to be a rookie. Uh, but you're like, I, I, I can't see a world where Evan Mobley doesn't become a top 10 player in the NBA. Like, barring injury. It's just like, it's it's crazy when a player can take over a game defensively, like multiple possessions in a row, generating a steal, a block, something that's that loud. Like he doesn't, I know he doesn't actually do that every possession, but when you watch a string of three possessions where the offense has no chance because he's literally just taking the ball from them or out of the air after they shoot it, it is, uh, it's like overwhelming to watch. So those are the four power forwards we're keying on in this episode. Anthony Davis, I know he's been hurt a lot the last two years, but if you look at the Lakers' success, it's heavily correlated to Anthony Davis's health. He is obviously, you know, really special player, top 75, all that stuff. But that, so that's one example. The next is Giannis. And it's like, you know, Greek freak, we already talked about it, but so I dug into the data a little bit at Basketball Index, and we have defensive and offensive roles, which are trying to describe what's going on on the court uh, more so than positions because the traditional positions don't work all the time now. So prior to this year, the previous three years, he was in our perimeter big defensive role, which is basically someone that helps uh, from the, the, the far side of the court. And because Brooke Lopez has been hurt, he's only played, I think, one game this year. Giannis has had to change his defensive role to what we call a mobile big. That's someone that's involved in pick and roll. And so that's the big that comes up in pick and roll. They can switch. Uh, and they're uh, in the action a lot of the time. The thing that makes Giannis so strong is his instincts and his ability to uh, read the game from the defensive side. He can come over to help all the time. Him, him and Anthony Davis are actually really special in that way where you don't know, you don't always need them actually on the ball or in the action because they're so strong at coming over and they can, they can just cover so much ground. They can cover more ground than other players that they can come to help and they can recover. They can get back to their player. And 
it's not just the mobility of, hey, can you contain someone with the ball once you're switched onto them? It's can you come over from the corner into the key, then, you know, fly back over to the wing and then back down to the key where if you track the defensive miles in a, in a possession, you see how much they're moving. Uh, but he's had to change roles this year and his defensive impact uh, has not been the same. The Bucks defense has not been the same this year because Brook Lopez is a big part of that. And uh, next we're going to go to Jaron Jackson Jr. He is 11th in our D-LeBron stat. That's our just our overall defensive impact metric. So 11th in the league. I mean, that's really strong. You look at the Grizzlies, they're trending up. I know Jaws having an unbelievable year. But I think the things Jaron Jackson Jr. does on defense obviously is going to elevate the team because this that, that team is really built on defense. They're 7th in uh, defensive rating for the for the season and it also allows that roster flexibility so that's another thing we're going to hit on in this uh second half of this episode where he's on the court all the time and you can play another big with him you can have steven adams on the court because uh jaron jackson jr he's never out of position these guys anthony davis and giannis they're never out of position they can guard literally anyone on the court so you can have an extra big with the lakers it was a ton of rim protection with Dwight Howard and JaVel McGee in 2020 with Giannis. It's having Brooke Lopez on the court. And on the offensive side, uh, it's not just defense with all these players. With Brooke Lopez, you're getting a guy that shoots 34% from three, which, you know, isn't the best thing in the world. But when you're getting a game changer on defense and a lot of rim protection, that's a, you put those things together, you have a pretty good player. With Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis, that allows Steven Adams to be on the court, who's literally the best offensive rebounder in the league this season. And... If you go back to those Golden State years, when the league was changing, teams were like, okay, how do we maximize our lineups? How do we get people on the court with off-ball skills? And the most obvious off-ball skill is the ability to shoot. So if you have a bunch of three-point shooters on the court, you know that, that's obvious what that person brings to the table offensively, and it's easy to feed that. Another way you can impact the game is a player like Steven Adams. His offensive rebounding is helping the offense, right? Like he's getting second-chance points getting offense rebounds, kicking it out, setting it up for the offense again. That's another way to impact the game offensively. And Jaron Jackson Jr.'s versatility lets them unlock those lineups. Like, obviously, the strength of all of these teams is you get an extra big man on the court to protect the basket, the most important thing in the game. Uh, but then you also get these offensive bonuses with Brooke Lopez, the ability to shoot the three, with Steven Adams, offensive rebounding. And then the last one, Evan Mobley, who is fifth in our D-LeBron this year. He's a rookie, and he's the fifth best defender in our metric. It's insane. But his versatility allows them to play Jarrett Allen on the court at the same time, and that really makes their defense special. Like, that makes it so... There's just a lot of guys you got to get around that are not only tall, but very talented at basketball. Um, and then Mobley, you know, he, he actually... Uh, is a part of Allen's success. So Allen's ability to catch lobs and I don't think there's, I don't know what the word for it would be, but his Allen's ability to just sort of uh, move around the key, especially like he starts in the dunker spot and then he just sort of lurks underneath the basket and he creates passing lanes for players to be able to find him under the basket to get easy finishes. Uh, that couples really well with Evan Mobley's passing, which I've been really impressed with this year. Mobley hasn't been the best player on offense in general this season, but uh, we do have a stat. It's our passing versatility, which is part of our 
uh, we have a playmaking grade. There's five passing stats that make it up. This is one of them. So his versatility, which is the ability to make different types of passes, he's in the 99th percentile in the league, which is crazy for a big man. But when you see his ability to get the ball either in the post or as he's cutting to the basket and then find Allen under the basket for an easy two, that reminds me of, we're going to circle back to the beginning of the story, Pau Gasol's passing to Andrew Bynum. Because big to big passing, it's impossible to stop, right? It's impossible to find because to have two bigs on your team that are very talented that you want to share the court with, that's hard. You need one to be really versatile uh, defensively, which is hard to find. And then you need one to be really good at passing, which, you know, there's not a ton of big men historically that are great passers, but that Mobley to Allen passing is one of those things when you're watching the Cavs, obviously their defense is very good. Um, that That's one of the things that the team, the team's really built on, but that that extra passing is another offensive element. So we, we talk about Anthony Davis, Giannis, Jaron Jackson Jr., Mobley. Those guys, their defensive versatility unlocks a lot of lineups where they can play extra big man and then it can help their defense. And they're not just uh, getting crushed by teams that are they're outspacing them. But also each one of these teams, you can unlock something offensively. And I think that's what makes these things really valuable and uh, not always obvious. So... I don't know. I just wanted to talk about something I was seeing in the league because I got back into the NBA and everyone was like, you can play one big man, maybe <laughs> at a time. And you just have to have four to five to six shooters on the court at all times, maybe seven. And then it's okay. And if you don't have that, then you can't compete in the league. And I'm just like looking at the last two championships and I'm looking at the young teams that are emerging and I'm like, I don't know. I, I think it might be, we might need to change the narrative to what is the thing that, uh, the only thing anyone can run in the league. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. My name's Taylor, and this is the B-Ball Index Podcast.